I'd like to thank Aaron K for sponsoring this week's Torah content. June is less than a month away, which means that I'll soon be transitioning into summer writing mode with more Substack articles and fewer recorded shirim. The bulk of these articles will remain free. However, if you would like to support my Torah and access additional spicy written content, consider becoming a paid subscriber by going to rabbishnewes.substack.com. Hello, I'm Rabbi Matt Schneeweiss, and this is the audio version of the two-page article I wrote and published on my Substack at rabbishnewes.substack.com on November 10th, 2023, and the article is entitled Chaye Sara, The Virgin Rivka, Plain Pshat, and Wild Drush. Rivka's first appearance in the Chumash is accompanied by a mention of her lineage, her beauty, and her chastity. Quote, from Bereshis 24, 15 through 16, Eliezer had not finished speaking when, behold, Rivka came out, who was born to Besuel, the son of Milka, the wife of Nahor, Avram's brother, with her pitcher on her shoulder. And the young lady was very beautiful, a virgin whom no man had known. And she went down to the spring, filled her pitcher, and came up. End quote. Many commentators are bothered by the seemingly redundant phrase, a virgin whom no man had known. If she were a virgin, then of course no man had known her. And if a man had known her, she wouldn't be a virgin. What do each of these phrases teach us? Moreover, towards what end? Why is Rivka the only female protagonist in Chumash whose virginity is highlighted explicitly in the text? Rabbeinu Yosef ibn Khaspi provides the simplest reading. He explains that the Hebrew frequently pairs an affirmation with its negation, as in Breshis 47.19, quote, that we may live and not die, or Yirmiyahu 4.22, uh, quote, they are foolish sons and not men of understanding, and Breshis 40.23, quote, the chamberlain of the cupbearers did not remember Yosef and forgot him. He adds, Ibn Kaspi adds, quote, anyone who expounds new insights from the redundant terms is alluding to intentions that were not intended by their author, with a capital A, end quote. Ibn Kaspi doesn't comment on why the text reports this fact. Perhaps the most well-known explanation is given by Rashi, citing Chazal, quote, she was a virgin from the place of her hymen, whom no man had known in an abnormal manner, i.e. anally because the Gentile daughters would guard the place of their hymens, but conduct themselves promiscuously from another place. The text therefore testifies about this one, Rivka, that she was clean from all this. End quote from Rashi. Similarly, Rashbam explains that the phrase whom no man had known excludes, quote, even a non-penetrative sexual act, for she was tsanua, modest. End quote. This elucidation underscores Rivka's personal modesty. In a society rife with, pro with promiscuity, Rivka stood out for her countercultural moral fortitude. Rav Avraham ben Harambam echoes this resolution of the textual difficulty, albeit with a different emphasis, writing that, quote, the text informs us of the chastity and purity of her family, end quote. Rabbi Moshe Maimon, editor of the critical edition of this commentary, remarks on the difference between Rashi and Rabbeinu Avraham, quote, Rashi followed, in, Rashi followed his approach in accordance with his position stated at the beginning of Parshas Toldos, in which he cites evidence from the words of Chazal to degrade the family of Rivka as evildoers. Such is the approach of Chazal in all places, to heap offenses upon, onto the sinners and ascribe faults to the faulty. However, Rabino Avram ben Arambam possesses a different spirit, for we find many instances in which he refuses to posit sins which aren't alluded to in Scripture. End quote. In other words, Rashi underscores the virtue of Rivka alone because he follows Chazal's view of Besuel as wicked. Rabino Avraham sees no reason to villainize anyone unless the text mentions wicked deeds explicitly. To the contrary, if the Torah highlights Rivka's virtue, it stands to reason that she had a proper upbringing. 
Sadigon offers the most literal interpretation in the tafsir, his Arabic translation of Chumash, rendering the phrase, a virgin whom no man had known, as, quote, a virgin whom no man recognized, end quote. In other words, he takes the phrase, whom no man had known, literally, and not in the biblical sense. Rav Moshe Chifetz likewise explains that, quote, she had not yet gone out into the open fields, and therefore no man recognized her or had seen her face, end quote. Rav Hirsch follows the same general approach, but without positing that she remained indoors. Quote, Since a virgin had, has already been stated, whom no man had known cannot be referring only to virginity. Furthermore, scripture does not say she had not known a man, as it does everywhere else, but whom no man had known, an expression that occurs nowhere else. The implication is this. Not only was she a virgin, but no man had known her. She was also modest to the point that no man had ever dared to approach her out of familiarity or frivolity. A truly modest woman has great dignity. Without her knowing it, she makes such an impression that even the wildest youth would not dare to speak vulgar, vulgarly in her presence, must much less venture to set his eyes upon her lustfully. This was an extraordinary quality, all the more so in Aram. End quote from Reverse. But by far, the strangest take on Rilke's virginity can be found in an obscure midrash cited in Yalkut Shimoni, Hadar Zakanim, and the drushas of Rabbi Yehoshua ibn Shuib. What follows is a th synthesis of all three versions. Ordinarily, I wouldn't dare to mix and match different versions of the midrash, but since this one doesn't appear in any of the classical collections of midrashim, presumably because it was composed at a later date, and because the differences are minor, and we have no way to tell which of the three is the most authentic, I feel justified in weaving them together into a single narrative. Fasten your seatbelts. Quote, Yitzchak went out. That is the phrase in Brachius 2463. From where did he go out? From Gan Eden. Rivka lifted her eyes, her eyes heavenward and saw through prophecy that Esau would one day de descend from her. She shuddered and fell to the ground. As it is written, she fell from upon the camel and punctured her hymen on a branch. Her virginal blood spilled to the earth and the birds, or alternatively a deer, came and covered her blood. Alternatively, HaKadosh Baruch Hu said to Gavriel, go down and guard the blood so that it doesn't spoil and so that there should be no blemish in it. When Yitzchak had relations with her and didn't find evidence of her virginity, he got angry at her. She told him the whole incident, but he didn't believe her. Instead, he said that Eliezer molested her. Eliezer swore that he didn't even touch her little finger. Yitzchak said to him, may you go to Gan Eden if you didn't touch her. Eliezer replied, my lord, it shall be true. I swear by the God of Israel that I am innocent. Come with me and I'll show you the place where she fell. They went there and together and found the branch surrounded by blood that was covered. Thus, Birds, alternatively wild animals, merited kisui hadam, the mitzvah to cover the blood of birds and wild animals after slaughtering them. Immediately, Yitzchak knew that she was pure and Eliezer was completely righteous. HaKadosh Baruch Hu told the ministering angels to bring Eliezer into Gan Eden. He, Eliezer, the son of Nimrod, became one of the tzaddikim who entered Gan Eden alive. This is what Rabbi Yossi meant in Shabbos 118b when he said, May my portion be among those who are suspected of wrongdoing, but without any wrongdoing. End quote from the Midrash. As my Rebbe Rabbi Moskowitz, Zechot Tadak would say, what the heck is going on here? It's hard to know where to begin our analysis. What is the central focus? Is this about Rivka's virginity, which is the conflict of the plot line? Is this about Yitzchak, who is the subject of the Pasuk the Midrash expounds? Is this about Eliezer's righteousness and reward? Is this about why the blood of birds and or wild animals is subject to Kiswe Hadam? Is this all a buildup to Rabbi Yossi's statement? 
And what is the sense in his statement anyway? Shouldn't our portion be among those who are not suspected of wrongdoing in the first place? Is there even a unified focus in this Midrash, or are there several disparate ideas here? Moreover, the whole vibe of the Midrash feels off. It compels the reader to conjure up unsavory images of Rivka, and it paints Yitzchak in an unflattering light. Midrashim typically don't do this. Is that a function of its late composition, or is there a reason for this anomalous style? What is this teaching us? I'll be honest here. I was unable to make headway in this Midrash myself, so I asked a friend of mine who is an expert in the world of Midrash. He and his Chavrusa worked out an approach which they graciously shared with me in the form of an eight-minute voice note, which is really more like a mini-sheer. The explanation they gave is so comprehensive and nuanced that it is beyond the scope of this two-page article and deserves its own sheer. My friend graciously gave me permission to share this recording. Oh, I said graciously twice. <laughs> My friend uh, gave, kindly gave me permission to share this recording, which I will do after Shabbos in a separate post accessible to paid subscribers only. Until then, you have plenty to think about over Shabbos. If you've gained from what you've learned here today, please consider contributing to my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Rabbi Schneeweiss. Alternatively, if you would like to make a direct contribution to the Rabbi Schneeweiss Torah Content Fund, my Venmo is at Matt-Schneeweiss, and my Zelle slash Chase QuickPay and PayPal are MattSchneeweiss at gmail.com. Even a small contribution goes a long way to covering the cost of my podcast and will provide me with the financial freedom to produce even more Torah content for you. If you would like to sponsor an article, share, or podcast episode, or if you are interested in enlisting my services as a teacher or tutor, you can reach me at rabbishnewos at gmail.com. Thank you to my listeners for listening. Thank you to my readers for reading. And thank you to my supporters for supporting my efforts to make Torah ideas available and accessible to everyone.